Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for magic online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. And welcome to another episode of EOMTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco, and I'm Big Head Joe. And we're going to talk about magic. It's been a few weeks, so so we have yeah, you know, lots to talk about. But but next week we're going to have an episode also. So we we skipped a week, but we're going to be right back on track starting next week. So um, y'all can look forward to that. Um, yep. Before, Joey, be- uh, we both well, we we both had like staycations basically. Yeah. Uh, Joey was going on day trips. I was hanging out with my buddy Tim, who uh, flew in from Baltimore so we could go to New Japan uh, G1 Climax tournament opening night in Dallas. So it was a good week, but no magic. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back, but, uh, though. Hi. <laughs> lots of lots of magic stuff to talk about, though. So uh, no doubt. So yeah, we'll jump into that. But uh, before we get started, I I did want to mention we are now welcoming another new sponsor uh, this week, the Decked Builder app. Um, it's a, it's an app for iPhone. It's also for Android. They've got a Mac version, a PC version. Um, it's a deck building app, I think, as the main focus, but it also lets you do some other things. Um, I don't know, like, if you were, I don't know how you usually build decks, like, kind of, if you're out and about thinking about a deck, I don't know um, how it's, you do it. I would I would just use notes on my phone, like a text file. Right. Typically, the way I do it is just really convoluted and dumb, and, like, I need a better way to do it. So, right. um, I haven't had a chance to really, like, dig into the app too hard yet, uh, mm-hmm. just, again, because Tim was in town all last week. He just left yesterday morning. Um so, uh, but I did take a look at it and it looks like a really awesome way to kind of put things together, um, to, um, you know, to price out your decks that you're trying to build to kind of know, okay, I have this card. I need this card. I need this card. I'm going to buy them from here. How much is that going to cost? Well, it comes right up on the app, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is really cool. And like, you know, the fact that it's got cool stuff on there, we like that a lot. So, um, pretty awesome right yeah yeah they've got multiple vendors on there available and i I know they use like the crystal commerce uh kind of thing which is another uh a resource that i think a lot of vendors use so it's just um it's it's really kind of cool that you can build a deck and immediately price it out um another thing i i thought was cool was you can test decks just kind of like goldfish them right like Mm -hmm. you get a test hand and you can you know play play a land you know kind of just swipe it and then you know there's a uh, button for drawing a card and if so i was actually just playing my blue white modern deck on there you know goldfishing it on the app just to kind of see how it felt and i think that's something that you know everybody does when you build a deck you want to uh kind of get a feel for how it plays out you play play with no opponent and um and that's something you can do and i think that was cool that was something i found um and then the, the last 
thing that I haven't yet really uh, dug into, but I've used another app to try it. Um, but you can manage your collection. There's like an add-on for uh, called Card Cam, where you get to basically just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to scan in all my Shards of Alara cards. So you type in Shards of Alara, and then you start scanning all your cards from Shards of Alara with your phone's camera and just adds them to your collection. So um, you do need to choose the set first, but I think that kind of makes sense if you're you're putting a ton of cards into uh, into the app. A lot of people have them sorted by set anyway. Yep. Um, but it's kind of a useful tool. I, for me, it works well when I don't really trade very often or get rid of cards very often. So I'm like, oh, Monastery Mentor. I know I have that card, but do I just have one copy? Like, how many copies do I have? I look it up on my phone, and I can just find out if I have a card. So that's uh, really useful. Um so those are just a couple of the things that the app is about, and uh, you guys can check it out um, at uh, our link. It's https uh, colon slash slash store.deckedbuilder.com slash ymtgt. So we will obviously link that in the show notes so you can just click on it and not have to remember it or type it in. But uh, right. but you'll you'll be able to find it on our on our website as well. So Just get uh, your text-to-speech or your speech-to-text app. Hold it up to the <laughs> – to the speaker, rewind a little <laughs> bit, and then you can just copy it from the notes file, and then you can paste it into your um, into your browser. <laughs> you could technically do it like directly into the browser. You don't even. You could just hold it up to the phone or to your your headphones or whatever. Oh, sorry, Joey. I guess I'm not all fancy like you. No, no. Your phone doesn't <laughs> let you text to or speech to text directly in browser. No, I got to uh, do it in the notepad and then I got to transfer <laughs> it. It's just a whole thing. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe we just put the link in the show notes like we'll you do said. That. I think that's we'll, fine. Actually, I have a better matter. idea. We'll put the link in the show notes. There you go. Good so, call. Uh, I have some news that you can use uh, depending on what you use. So check this out. Um, I was on Arena the other day. Lord knows why. We'll get into that another time. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Interesting. I have my vault up and running. My, my vault was like ready to be opened, and I saw a percentage on there. I was like, you know what? Let me wait. Like I said, a couple episodes ago, I went and bought all of my um, commons and uncommons with wild cards uh, for War of the Spark, just to see what would happen mm-hmm. um, if I, you know, if I, if I would open the vault faster or whatever. But I didn't quite get a feel for that, but I did get a feel for how much a pack is worth in terms of opening your vault. So I was at 104.4%, which it doesn't show you when you're at less than 100%, but it does show you when your vault's about to open. Naturally, we're like, ooh, free stuff, and we click on it before we even, like, look at that or care, you know? But I was like, (laughs) hold on, hold on, let me leave it for a minute. So um, I cracked a pack of War of the Spark. Um, There were no common or uncommon wild cards in the pack. So it was a full pack of like, what is it? Four commons and three uncommons, right? Something like that. I, I, I never pay close enough attention because <laughs> I like, just look at the rare stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there were no wild cards and my vault was then at 105.5%. So with that said, uh, it looks like 
each pack, if there are no wild cards and all the cards go towards the vault, assuming uh, uh, with the exception of the rare, I guess, or what are you? With the exception saying? of the rare, because the rare will be replaced by their algorithm, yeah, their algorithm with another right. rare or gems. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the rares and mythics in a pack that you open will never go towards the uh, the vault anymore. Right. So it looks like each pack, if there are no wild cards and all the cards are going towards the vault, is worth one point one percent of the vault. So there you go. So it looks like you need about 99 packs, or no, like 90 packs to open to open the vault. Yeah, that sounds about right. On a pure, you know, if you tra- have every, transfer. Right. right, if you have every common and uncommon already and don't open any wild cards, which are... <laughs> Which is unlikely. Uh, common, so uncommon wild cards. You're more likely going to take about 100 packs each time you open the vault. Yeah, something like which that. Which is kind of annoying, but uh, I don't know. I've, I have really – I'll be so honest with you right now. I have really lost a lot of motivation to play Arena. Um, Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, because I'm in the same boat and I'm kind of curious what your – so, your, your side of it. Yeah, okay. So, um, you know – let me start by saying that um, I have no problem with anyone getting invited to play in premier level magic events for any reason whatsoever. You know mm. what I mean? Like if somebody got invited, it's obvious that wizards feels like they deserve an invite and mm, every, almost every person they show getting an invite. I'm like, yeah, well, I know who that is. You know, they might not have results, you know, on the big stage, but I know who that is. You know, mm-hmm. I see them around. Um, they're obviously um, someone who's active on the scene. Cool. Congrats. Awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. it's great. Um, get in where you fit in. Yeah, I mean, you know, any way you can get it. We're, we're, we're here, you know, to to figure out a way to get into this thing one way or another. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know I want to. Uh, get on the pro tour at some point in my life. Um, and if I got an invite, pff, you better believe I'm smashing that accept button. You know what I mean? Of, like, of I'm course, not, yeah. Like, I'm going to be like, but I didn't win a tour. So what? Get me in there, fools. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. want in. Um, and I want in was part of the reason why we started this podcast back up in the first place. And I literally said those words, I think, on the first episode of this since we rebooted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, I want in, you know? Um, what I also said was that I felt like the path to the Pro Tour with the creation of the Pro League um, and with this challenger designation, I felt like the Pro Tour seemed unobtainable, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you remember me saying this stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you know, I felt like it was a dare. You know, and this is like, you know, like, like, uh, Thurston said, there's a dare. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of was like, you know, I, 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 I dig it. I dig the dare and I, and I want to, I want to challenge the dare. You know, I want, I want to figure out a way for someone like me who is a lowly challenger to make the pro tour through arena. Right. And that was a lot of my motivation, not necessarily, I wouldn't say my motivation for starting playing Magic again in general, but it was an intriguing path that wasn't open before, mm-hmm. that was allegedly open to us now, you know, like like they told us that this path was open. Right. And just 
more and more, I just feel like the path doesn't really exist. I think it's it's a mirage. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I feel like they're trying to trick us into thinking there's a chance. But at the same time, not really. Not as much anymore. They used to, we used to really be tricked by, hey, Grand Prix are awesome. You know, um, you should come play in Grand Prix. You can make the Pro Tour. And, like, all these other ways you could make the Pro Tour. But now it just kind of feels like a scam. <laughs> I hate to yeah, say well, that. It's interesting that – I mean, so I, I don't – I don't know if I'd say it feels like a scam. It's just, I'm probably th- overblowing that statement, but I, you know sure. what I'm saying. Like, like, go ahead, go ahead. What were you oh, going to say? Oh, I think for me, it's just things have gotten very unclear. Uh, things used to be clearer. I think you know, come to the Grand Prix, make top eight, make top sixteen, qualify for the Pro Tour. You know, win. I think a, well, win I, a PTQ. Now that's still true for the Grand Prix. I think it's still top eight or top sixteen qualifies. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, so that part, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying like that's. I guess that's one path. The so that path still exists, uh, but there's a lot of I, I don't even know what to call it confusion. Mis, not, maybe not even misinformation, just a lack of clarity as to how you get there. It, it, the path used to be much clearer, and now it feels like. They change it every month it's like, or or I, I see it's I'm having trouble even talking about it because I'm not even sure like where we are with things at this point because I feel like it's changed so often. But, you know, for me, it's just like play magic a lot, you know, play arena a lot, get uh, get in the top uh, mythic players on arena and you can qualify for this other tournament that if you do well there, it's just kind of like, I don't know, I'm just going to try to play Magic my best and that's it. But <laughs> if I get there, I get there. But it's very uh, convoluted and unclear. And I think it used to be a lot clearer when you had uh, pro points and pro levels and things like that where you could say, OK, I've reached this. Maybe I didn't make it all the way. You know, I didn't I didn't win a pro tour, but I made it to this particular level um, and I, I'm not going to fall from here if I continue to do well. Like it's sort of like a plateau, you know, you kind of, um, it's kind of how you level up on arena, right? You, you get to gold and you're like, you're not going to fall off from gold or it takes a lot to, <laughs> to fall back, um, a level. So it's similar to that. It used to be that way. Now it's, it's just not even clear what's happening with pro levels. What's even happening with the hall of fame. It's just the whole pro scene has been overhauled, but not in a very clear fashion to us players. Right. And that's frustrating, I think. So, you know, like, what was it? Like two months, was it? What month was it? I guess it was end of May, right? I made Mythic again, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Cool, right? Like, that's cool, except I didn't make top 1,000 in Mythic. Right. So so I basically spent all this time grinding this program to not quite get there and to go away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so it was like, wow, I just did all that work. You know, I basically took hours and hours of my life away, you know, 
like I could have been hanging out with my girlfriend, you know, just enjoying my life. And instead, I'm locked up in my room, sitting here playing arena to get to Mythic, but not quite Mythic enough, so nothing. But then if I did make top 1,000, I can make the Pro Tour by playing in some sort of event and then, like, maybe doing some winning on game, day one. And then who – how many people make it from there? Like eight or 16, right? I don't I know. I don't even recall. Um, you know, and maybe then I make – the the uh the mythic championship and then you know i don't know if if they decide not to give my slot to a streamer you know what i mean like <laughs> right you know it's it's just like it's so vague and like the 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 requirements are so unclear that it's like well what's the point you know i don't know right. well i think that's really you need to sort of ask yourself um, and everybody needs to ask themselves, like, it, what are you doing this for? Like, is the only goal really to make it to the mythic championship or, or obviously you'd like to win a mythic championship, but, uh, you use the term, I had done all this work. Like that's the phrase you just said. And it's kind of like, yeah, it is work, but it's also like you're playing, you're playing a game. So at least you can kind of, if you can find the value in that, um, hopefully you can kind of say, all right, I didn't make it to the top 1000 like I wanted to, but I got a lot of reps in, in standard. Reps and, that mean almost nothing. Well, they, you apply your I skills to the next. Because then I show up to a paper tournament and can't win a match to save my life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, um. And that's interesting. The, the idea, the translation of, of digital to paper and, you know, vice I versa. Feel like the arena meta game like just isn't real mm -hmm. or like if it's real it's like skewed a bit you know and sure. i'm just i don't know it's just like i'm not sure how helpful it's been how right. helpful it's been you know like i'm not sure if jamming all these games of arena is actually helping me improve as a player or mm -hmm. if it's just like putting me in autopilot to the point where like i can't really think of a situation like in person i don't know it's just such a weird thing and it's still it's still new you know well um, i kind of you got to kind of look at it like everybody that's on arena uh if they're in the the ranked queues you know like that that's the metagame and that could be anybody so uh, it's almost like arena can sort of feel a lot like an fnm where you might go and like you might play against somebody else who's very competitive and or you might just get somebody who's not and i think that uh that skews the metagame i'm i'm just generally saying that if you're playing in a high higher level tournament like a grand prix like a star city open most of those players are going to be competitive the fact that you might hit somebody who is super casual like that the chance of that is is very unlikely uh because i don't think very many casual players will go and drop, you know, $30, $40 to enter an event uh, that's super competitive when they could just play for free or play smaller events that are cheaper. Um, so I think that you're right. Like the metagame skewed in that way. I'm not saying you're always playing against casual decks, but... Well, the other the other problem, and it's my fault, is that, like, I feel like I play best of one way more than best of three, and I'm mm. sure that doesn't help. You know mm. what I mean? Um, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm that I'm loving this whole arena thing. Um, now 
you're it's interesting so your your issue with it is kind of like the setup in terms of the competitive um, well that's not even the first part of it so like now we've got this new mastery system that they're putting on us mm-hmm. and like i thought before the daily quests you know the weekly packs i thought it was all very streamlined it made a lot of sense mm-hmm. right now they're throwing this experience crap at me, and I'm just like, I literally don't even know what any of this means. And I'm like looking at it going, okay, you've made it confusing. Nice job. You had something real simple, and you went and screwed it up in a way like to try to make us spend money on a mastery pass or something. No, thank you. Like I don't buy passes for crap. I don't buy that crap yeah. for any game I play. Oh, buy a monthly pass. No. You know, no, I'm not going to buy a monthly pass. You could get more random rewards. I don't want more random rewards. I want to just know what I'm getting every day. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know. And it's just now it's like they're really ramping up that whole, like, you know, pay to play thing. You know, right. free to play, free to play uh, up to a point. Sure. You know, um, and now it just feels like they hooked us in and now they want to take our money so that we can keep getting the same things we were getting for free before. Yeah, and I'm running into a a wall in this kind of neighborhood of things. Um, not so much the convoluted path to the Mythic Championship, but so I haven't. Uh, there may be a number re- of reasons for this, but I haven't played a game on Arena in four weeks, almost four wow. weeks. Wow! Um, I played against Kenny because uh, he, you know, we were talking about going to FNM that week, and I played a few games against him, and then I decided I wanted to play Modern FNM anyway. So that's what I did, and that was that's why I remember like the last time I played was right before uh, I went to FNM that week. So, and that was the the week that Modern Horizons released in paper. So that that kind of makes sense, right? Like June twelfth or something, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. June fourteenth. Um, so yeah, I feel like part of it is I'm not sure how I feel about standard. I I a lot of people love it. I don't like. I don't think I like so many planeswalkers. So I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that I wouldn't like it. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have this preconceived idea like, oh, I hate planeswalkers. I'm going to hate standard. Like I was excited about War of the Spark, but now post War of the Spark, I don't like having to deal with all these planeswalkers. It's just not, it's not as fun for me. That's part of it. That's not a major part, but it's part. Um, I feel like Little Teferi makes counter spells very bad. And most of the decks I, I most enjoy playing pack at least four to six counter spells in them. So it feels like, Oh, so the card that's basically the most popular card in the, in the format or one of the most popular cards to play in the format shuts down a big part of my, the strategy that I like to play just, just like that. So I'm like, eh, that, that makes me feel a little, little less inclined to play because I can't play decks. I want to play. Then we've got a new set M20 which we hopefully will talk about at some point uh, on this episode. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm like, do I have to go and spend a whole bunch of gems or, or spend money to get gems, to get more cards that I don't know if I'm even, you know, like, I, I, what if I only want to play Esper Colors, but it, it, I I have to open a ton of packs and get wild cards and I'm opening green cards and red cards and cards that I don't need. And I'm like, I can't do anything with these. And this has been the case for arena the entire time. So I'm not, it's not a surprise, but now I'm fatigued by it. Now I'm like, right. I really don't want these cards. And I, I want to play like, you know, a certain kind of strategy. I I just feel like I'm putting a lot of resources towards things that I don't even want 
because right. I have to eventually open a wild card so I can spend it on what I do want, you know? And, and, and you know, meanwhile, red cards and green cards are about, I would say, 50% of what I feel like playing with, you know? Yeah. Um, I've decided that I want to play, like, pretty much every color but blue. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I've decided pretty much every color but green. So we're Right. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, well, that's, it it helps. I I like limitations. I like, you know, putting, like putting a limitation on myself. And and also it helps me when it comes to like buying decks and things like that. I don't have to spend that much money because I'm like, okay, I don't need to fairy. I don't need this, you know, and it kind of helps me focus a little more of my deck building because I could go crazy on some of this stuff. I don't want to. Oh my gosh. I'm so with you right now because this is exactly how I've been feeling the last few weeks where I'm like, why am I buying you know, I'm like speculating on some cards that I, I'm like, am I going to play this? Do I, you know, am I going to build a deck and play it a, one time and go, you know what? That's not, that deck's not for me. I'm glad I bought all these cards. <laughs> did you speculate, did you speculate on that mythic Chandra though? I did not. Okay. Cause it's a 40 now. Yeah. It's all right. So I, you, you know, all the specs I made, I posted in the discord, but uh-huh. it's not yeah. like I, I, it's not like a ton of cards for like, I spent no. like 60 bucks on cards and some of them aren't sets. even specs. Yeah. I got play sets. So yeah. to say it's a spec is not really, uh, accurate but my point being i'm like i i know the kinds of decks i like to play and for for years i've just focused on those kinds of decks and until earlier this year i kind of just went wild and i'm like i'm gonna play burn i'm gonna play dredge i'm gonna play amulet like all these other decks that are not normally my play style and i've had a lot of fun i really like dredge uh and i think amulet's a lot of fun burns a lot of fun but these aren't really my style and now i'm kind of like I don't I, I don't want to have to look at every set and go, okay, would Amulet play that? I should probably pick up a copy of that card because or four copies of that card because it might be played in Amulet and then I might need it, so I might as well buy it, right? Like it's I don't want to have to do that. And especially when I have three different ways of playing, paper, magic online, and arena. So depending on obviously the the format, if I'm talking about sure. modern, I don't need to worry about arena. But right, right. this kind of situation where I'm like, oh, okay, if I need a card, I guess I need to get it on in paper and uh, MTGO, you know, so I'm, I just want to simplify a little bit more the way I used to do things and kind of say, all right, enough with, <laughs> with getting all these cards for any deck that could possibly ever be good because I might want right. to play it. So, uh, I, I feel that's another part of the, the fatigue I'm feeling right now. And maybe it's due to the fact that we've had three sets come out in, I mean, is, is it two months, end of April to May, end of June. So basically, you know, nine ten weeks we've we've had three sets war of the spark modern horizons and now m20 like that's insane yeah um right war of the spark was end of april right am i crazy no you're right, right. That, that's right so that's uh that's a lot of cards to be trying to buy so i can see like i'm feeling the fatigue of that and with arena it it's that kind of concept that i can't even put my resources towards the things that i want i just have to hope to open either the cards I want or wild cards. And I don't like that. And I'm also looking ahead. You know, we, we haven't discussed it on the show yet because they just announced it since we recorded, but there's a new format on Arena, which is um, Standard Plus. And what that means is right now it's exactly standard. <laughs> so uh, it's a non-rotating format. So it's going to get a lot more cards. You know, the fall set comes out and nothing Nothing rotates, so it'll be standard plus the fall set. That'll be when it starts to get a little more interesting. But um, in general, I'm like, I put all these resources towards all these standard cards. And unless 
historic, this new format is, is fun. What a waste. I can't do anything with any of these cards. I can't cash them in for more wild cards or gems or gold or something like that stinks. Yeah. And, and I knew that again, this isn't a surprise. It's just, I think when I knew it back then, it was like, oh yeah, that's future me. It's going to deal with that. Well, now I'm future me. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm, I'm a little bit less inclined or less happy about the fact that in a few months, you know, all those cards that I are all those, the money I spent on gems to buy cards, to get wild cards, to, to spend on, on cards that are rotating out. They're just basically useless until historic becomes an interesting format. Maybe we'll be talking about that in October and, and be excited about it. Uh, and maybe it'll be October, 2020 that we're talking about it, it being exciting. We'll see. Um, but I'm pretty disappointed that they didn't include previous sets. Um, I don't need to go too deep into it. I'm just disappointed. I thought it was set up perfectly for them to like the say, Am and Ket hey, we and Kaladesh, already have... Right? What's that? Amonkhet and Kaladesh are programmed in, right? Right. Amonkhet and Kaladesh both already programmed into Arena. Um, and so they could easily just release those. Uh, there are arguments against this that basically amount to that's too many sets but i'm like it's not new sets for standard it's old sets for a new format and you don't have to play historic you go and you go dig back into those sets if you decide you want to play historic and so whatever right. it's it's magic you got to spend money to play that's that's absolutely true and again here i am here we are complaining about that a little bit but <laughs> i felt like historic was or the format that i expected historic to be which is Amonkhet, Kaladesh, uh, forward, uh, did sound exciting to me. I was excited to try to see like, oh, what are we going to get? We're going to have these, you know, this huge format and then we're going to get a fall set. Uh, that was really exciting to me. So I couldn't wait for them to announce it. And when they announced that it was nothing different than current standard, except that it doesn't rotate. Uh, and so we won't really know what this format looks like until the fall. Uh, I was disappointed. That's, we, we don't need to, going down that rabbit hole yeah it was just a disappointing thing when i was excited for what i thought they were going to do and all you know I'm, all expectations. i'm going to say on all i'm going to say on it is that obviously it'll become a bigger format as we get more sets mm -hmm. but uh in the meanwhile they're going to have to deal with the feel bad of everyone basically having nothing to do with their uh, with their old cards, uh, and especially because they specifically called it a casual format. Yeah, that's another you know part I mean? of it. So, like, so it's not like there's like competitive or there's like a chance to like ladder with it. Nope, you know, no chance there. Um, so there's going to be that immediate feel bad after rotation of, well, what am I using these old cards for? I just spent all this money on these. Um, the other thing is, I feel like it's kind of just a easy like money grab for wizards and almost a positive one for once um of them just adding those sets to the uh to the store right you because know you, and you know I'd, i i'm sorry i cut you off go ahead yo go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say like i'd be a lot more inclined or less uh feel bad to go spend my gems if I could go back and start start picking up packs of Amonkhet and Kaladesh uh, blocks and try to build some sort of deck in that format. Like, I'd be excited about that. I'd be they'd, – they'd already have my money, you know? Like, <laughs> it would be in their vaults, I guess. <laughs> um, right. In their coffers. Uh, but, yeah, 
I, I'm surprised they didn't do that. Go ahead. You can continue. I <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's off. basically it. And so I mean, it just kind of seems silly for them not to do that. Um, and I don't know. And it's so, so now here we are with like this underwhelming announcement, you know, right. um, there is the p- potential for them to add those old sets. They did leave that door open, but I thought like, it's odd that they just decided to come out of the gate like this, where it's coming like, out hey, of the gate. The format's going to be literally worthless because you're going to have one extra set. It's not going to be competitive. And you're pretty much going to be like, okay, well, I'd rather just play new standard and, like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, oh, i got to build this deck and I need four cards that are in a set that already rotated. Are you going to spend wild cards on that? No. Right. You know, not at all. You know, like, you're not going to care. You're going to go, oh, okay, I guess I'm not playing that. Let's go on to new standard because new standard is actually exciting. Right. You know, like, when you have the choice between new standard, which you can play to potentially make the pro tour or, you know, pretty much old standard with one extra set that you can't really do anything with. Who's going to go decide they're going to play historic on week one of new standard. You know what I mean? Like, like almost no one, right. You know? And it's like, it's going to be a colossal failure. And I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like all downside. It just doesn't seem good. So I don't know. I, I was a little more like, devil's advocate about it when joey was talking about this at first but the more i think about it no i don't like it at all you know like i don't i really don't thank um, you for coming to the dark side with me yeah <laughs> you know i heard y'all had cookies so i was like all right i like cookies um so uh because that shirt isn't that shirt isn't played out um yeah uh so there was a slight change well, well let's uh, i mean we've been yeah we've been kind of complaining the first half of the half of the episode but i think we have the rest of the episode is like good news so you know 50, yeah 50. i think so i uh, think so but i think you were going to talk about the the news that dropped this morning yeah so uh we just got a banned and restricted announcement this morning about a half hour ago it was like christmas and- this morning it was, right? It was. Everybody's like refreshing Twitter to find out what cards that they aren't allowed to play with. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was what I tweeted anyway. Yeah, everybody Yeah, no, right. It was like it was like reverse Christmas. Right. Oh, I can't wait to have my toys taken away. Um, <laughs> and uh but they didn't take away too many toys. They only took away one toy. They took away uh Bridge from Below. In modern. Uh, bridge right. in modern, obviously, because modern it's not in standard. Um Bridge from Below banned in modern, which should hopefully um make Hogak a lot more fair. Right. I think uh, it will. I think that's the thing. Um, that was my prediction was Bridge from Below. And I think I even mentioned that last episode um, mm. that that was the card that I thought was most likely to be banned for a number of reasons. One, it definitely uh, cripples the deck enough to slow it down um, and possibly take it out of the top tier of the metagame. I think you can probably hear my daughter screaming about it. She's really upset. Mm, no, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> no, um, the uh, the deck may still exist, but it's not anywhere near as powerful without Bridge from Below. Second, uh, the card's been around for years. We've had it for a while. It's it's an older card. It's not doesn't feel so bad that uh, that you'd lose it. It's not like banning a new card or a new a newly reprinted right. card from Modern Horizons like uh, Altar of Dementia or or Hogak. Um, right. So it lets people play with the new toys in the format while getting rid of kind of like an old toy. And that's right. that seems fine. Um, it doesn't have much splash damage because really the only deck that played Bridge from Below was Bridgevine decks prior to Ho- Hogak and now mm-hmm. Bridgevine decks after Hogak. So it's really not all that different. Um, right. So I think that's the right call. Uh, 
It was interesting, though, because the last couple of weeks, the decks that have done well, um, we had blue-white winning uh, Grand Prix Dallas-Fort Worth, and we had the Red Bull Untapped tournament over the weekend, which was actually two tournaments. It was one in Florence and one in Brussels. Uh, the one in Florence, I think, was won by Is It Phoenix, and the one in Brussels, the finals, was Jund versus Blue White. And so it's like it's like all these fair decks. Like Is It Phoenix is on the line there of a fair deck, but I do think it's generally a fair Magic deck. It's just very consistent. So it's uh, yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like. I don't. I don't know. I th- I feel like Ryan Germore is the only person who actually thinks that faithless looting should be banned sometimes, because he convinces me all the time that it should be banned, even though he plays it. He plays Phoenix. Yeah. He's like, oh, they're gonna ban looting. Oh, here it comes. They're gonna ban looting this time, and then they don't. <laughs> and he's like, ha ha, they didn't ban looting. I'm like, well, why were you like calling for it? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. And then I'm like, I, I don't think loot. I don't think faithless looting should be banned. You know, faithless looting's in a lot of decks. So what? You know. Um. Good card. I mean, a lot of good cards in modern. I don't know. I don't feel like it needs to be banned. But uh, given his – him giving – putting the fear in me, um, <laughs> I had a big ban theory for this uh, for this rotation – for this uh, ban restricted announcement that didn't come true. Um, I was thinking that it was going to be uh, Bridge, Hogak, Alter, Stirrings, Looting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Unban. That's- Unban Stoneforge Mystic and ban Teferi and Standard. Because <laughs> Teferi, uh, talking about the online untapped, the one that was Standard, the one that was on Arena, um, the Red Bull tournament, mm-hmm. um, like 50% of the decks in that, uh, in that tournament had um, Teferi either main or sideboard. 50%. So you're talking about Little Teferi. Little Teferi. Okay. Fifty percent of the decks in that, in that in that tournament had Little Teferi main or side. Yeah. You know that's a it's lot. It's a popular card. Yeah. That's a it's, lot. You it know, that's um, crazy. And like, I don't know. I, I I don't personally think the card is so powerful that it needs to be banned. But I felt like if they banned it, especially with, and I'm just going to skip to a to an M20 spoiler here real quick, especially with uh, Drawn from Dreams about to enter uh, Standard, mm-hmm. um, I thought that it would have been the right time to ban uh, Little Teferi. Because Drawn from Dreams, by the way, you know, and if you don't know what Little Teferi does, you obviously have never played Standard because it's in 50% of the decks you play against. <laughs> um Drawn from Dreams is two blue and two. It's a sorcery, or it's an instant if you're playing Teferi. Um, it's a rare, and it says, look at the top seven cards of your library, put two of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Just what the Teferi deck needs is a way to dig seven cards deep and draw two end of your turn before they untap. Awesome. I'm excited about that. Looking Me forward too. to playing against that for the next year. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so I felt like, you know, if ever there was a time to ban Teferi, it would have been right before this card hits the format. Um, I think that's, the, they don't want proactive bans, I don't think. I think pro, they'd It's not have... proactive, though. I mean, it's only proactive for this card, making sure. it even better okay. than having it in 50% of the decks before this card. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like the card's going to suddenly get worse mm-hmm. because they printed a card that lets them dig seven and draw two at instant speed that you can't counter. Right. You know, 
Um, so it's basically standards just going to be who gets to play their Teferi first, you know, like is going to be the format for like the next year, um, which doesn't I sound mean, fun. It sort of already was that way. That's kind of at least exactly. that's how I felt from the control side of things where it's like, well, if you resolve Teferi, basically my deck's uh, invalidated f- until I can deal with it. Um, yeah. And you think that this card in the format's going to make that less likely? You right. know what I mean? Like, I, you know, it's like it's only going to get worse from here. Is what I'm saying. And I felt like, you know, rather than having to have this whole problem again in three months, they would just go ahead and ban it, get it out of the way, you know, so they don't have to ban it when 70% of the decks in standard have Teferi in the main or side. Um, Yeah, I mean, as far as standard goes, I think um, I like them not taking action yet because standard bans have such – I think they're much higher cost – in terms of, uh, you know, just bad, a bad look, you know, when you have to ban cards in standard. Um, yeah, it should be a bad look, though. You shouldn't have printed it. Well, maybe. <laughs> I, I think I said that in the Discord also. I think uh, I I like Little Teferi, but I think it should have been in, in Modern Horizons instead of War of the Spark. Um, right. And I think but, Altar of Dementia should have been in, uh, in, uh, in M20. Not in Modern Horizons. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess you could have had access to some interesting uh, standard mill options, right? Like with uh, oh, I don't want mill. I just want an instant speed sack outlet for Dreadhorde Butcher. <laughs> oh well, there you go. <laughs> um. So uh, anyway, with Little Teferi, I think they should. I'm glad that they're that they didn't ban it at this point. They do have these bans restricted announcements every few months so it's not like we don't have another one coming up in a couple of months and we can kind of see how things go i'd rather they especially with standards see how it's going to affect things because releasing a new set can have a major change on a format and you really don't know like there are a lot of moving parts a lot of different pieces that can have an effect like who was talking about hogak before hogak was released to play with like Nobody really. Nothing like what ended up happening. Everybody's talking about Modern Horizons and the lands and the, the free spells, the force of negation uh, cycle, all those kind of cards. Uh, Hogak was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, hmm, maybe Dredge might might want to play a copy of this. Who knows? You know, it was like, and then you have this card, enter the format, Altar of Dementia. Nobody was really talking about that. It was like, oh, cool, old reprint. Maybe that'll be cool. And look what happened. Right. So mm. that might be an extreme example, but... M20 is entering the format. Let's see what the format looks like and see if this two-card combo that you're that basically creates your own uncounterable dig-through time uh, is is actually going to be a thing or maybe it, it probably will be a thing, but yeah, will it be a problem? Let me ask you problem, a question, Joey. You know? Do you think it's going to be a friggin' thing? Oh, I think it's going to be a thing. But what I mean is, is it going to be too much of a thing? Is it going to be powerful enough um, given whatever else is going on in the format? Because... It it really hinges on a lot of pieces. So I think I'd like them to hold off and see what happens before they go banning Little Teferi. Um, that said, like I, I certainly feel like Little Teferi is locking out an entire uh, class of cards being counterspells. Um, and that doesn't seem good for the game uh, when when the card is otherwise so good also. Like if you just had a three mana enchantment that had his static ability on it, that might be one thing, right? Like, okay, your opponent has to play at sorcery speed, but I don't get to also bounce a creature and enchantment, artifact, draw a card, you know, and play my sorcery speed spells at instant speed. Like, that's a lot of options on this card. So 
Um, yeah, I, I, I could see the case for banning it at some point during its standard or during its time in standard. Uh, but I, at this point, I'm happy they didn't. Um, I don't know. Th- uh, you say, you know, it, it restricts a class of cards. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I think it restricts, you know, red cards, green cards, like pretty much anything that isn't blue or white. Um, you know, I just feel like it's just they're just making it really hard to like play anything that isn't running Teferi. I mean, you've got like green decks splashing blue and white to play Teferi. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I'm like I'm sitting here with a with like a Jund like combo deck and I'm like, ooh, if I splash blue and white to play Teferi, <laughs> I could play my thuds at instant speed. Like, I shouldn't be having that thought. <laughs> that is a broken card. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm thinking I should splash two entirely different colors into my deck to squeeze this card in, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, And I don't like it. I, I don't like the way that it's making standard look. I don't like... I don't like five-color decks. You know, I don't know. I just feel like five-color decks, like four-color decks even, like I just feel like they're, I don't know, they're not what Magic's supposed to be, man. You're right. I, you know? That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it, but I do kind of feel, I agree with you. Before you finished that sentence, I was sort of thinking what you ended up saying, which is like, yeah, the point of Magic, the point of the five colors is, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to choose certain colors based on their strengths, not I'm going to choose all the colors because I can, you know, like it's right. just, it, they may as well be colorless, right? Like there's, there's no point to, if you're playing all the colors, you're playing no colors. It's all, you know, it, it's, I do feel like there's, it's rare that you can play a five color deck in standard. The last time I really think that was like top tier was 10 years ago. You know, you got a, you got like shards right. of Alara block, yep. um, five color control with the vivid lands and cruel ultimatum, you know, in the same deck as, uh, well, every other color, white cards and green cards, you know, you right. had like the cloud thresher and, uh, which I think has three or four green mana symbols in its yeah, class. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I think it's been a while since that was a top tier strategy. Now I know I've seen some, some gates decks running around ever since Ravnica, uh, came out or Guilds of Ravnica and it's gotten stronger and right now it's I've, I've seen Yeoman 5 posting about a Gates deck and that I think is five colors if not it might be four colors yeah. but I think it's five colors because it's Gates and uh, I mean but is that a top tier strategy like I, I don't know not at this point it's too fresh of a of a format to say but yeah. just the general idea of five color strategies are kind of uh, anti-magic in a lot of ways yeah, and, like, I don't know. I just hate the idea of, like, I don't like Command the Dread Horde. I feel like I'm complaining a lot. I know, anyway, me too. <laughs> That's why I'm like, whatever. let's talk about the good things. We can, we can complain a little. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, we can get one in. Um, y- you know, like, having Command the Dread Horde just kind of invalidate all the work that you've done your entire game. Right. You know, oh, also at instant speed because it's a fairy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's fun. And you're not going to uh, counter it because it's a fairy. <laughs> uh-huh. Thought erasure, like, at the end of your draw step. That doesn't feel like fair magic to me. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And I feel like that this 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 card is making magic, like, feel really unfair to the person who has to play against it. Right. Um, because then again, like I said, like you do all this work, okay, you dealt with the Teferi, you dealt with whatever else they got, and then they just go, command the Dreadhorde, get them all back. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, what? 
uh, what? And your you stuff, know? too. You know. <laughs> yeah, and my stuff. Oh, yeah. Hey, let me get stuff out of your graveyard. Get stuff out of my graveyard. Uh, I don't know. It just, it just, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. And I feel like the one card that's kind of making all these things that feel dumb and don't feel like magic is Teferi. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's the thing that's enabling all these other things. Well, it is. Teferi pushing counter spells out of the format makes big spells much more playable because they're not going to get countered, right? Like you, you tap six, you know, and run it into a counter spell, you know, two mana counter spell, three mana counter spell. Uh, that doesn't feel, you know, that that's, that's the kind of counter spells are what kept these kind of huge spells in check. And sure, you might be able to get your opponent to tap out. That's part of the game. Like you get them to tap out and, and then I'm going to cast command the dread horde. And you're like, okay, they, I, I got to resolve this because they tapped out, but, um, or, Make them have it, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna pl- play my command the Dreadhorde, but they might have a counter spell. Oh, they didn't. Great, you know that's that's how it's supposed right. to work, right? Like, right. I'm gonna play my Baneslayer Angel, and you may have a Doomblade. Like, that's you know, like that's just how it works. Um, but ba- basically, saying Little Teferi pushes counter spells out of the format makes command the Dreadhorde is essentially uncounterable, as is basically every other spell because nobody's playing counter spells, so everything is uncounterable. You know, right. it's it's kind of. Uh, gotten to that point so I, i'll be interested to see if little teferi ends up banned in its in its standard lifetime but i do think that it's okay at this point it's only been around for a couple of months and maybe the format will will change a bit and there there will be less reason or less incentive to play teferi which gives me people more incentive or at least the uh the coast is a little more clear to play counter spells because you might not be playing against teferi as often Right. Oh. Uh, well, there is one card that they've printed that gives me a little hope for this, mm-hmm. um, and that's Fry, which I think is like was printed right after we finished recording a couple weeks ago. I think so too. Um, so Fry is a red and one. It's an instant. It's an uncommon from M twenty. Can't be countered. Mm-hmm. Again, pretty much irrelevant text at this point. Uh, Fry deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker that's white or blue. So it can take out Gideon uh, as long as it's your turn. It can take out the big Teferi on a plus one, little Teferi on a plus one. Um, it can take out uh, Lyra, which is very important. Yeah. Um, it can take out uh, Shalai, uh, unless they've spark doubled their Shalai. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> uh, and it doesn't do anything. Um, so... This is a good card. This is a card that Standard really needed, desperately needed, especially for red players who already, by the way, and if you didn't listen to the last episode, don't ever play mono red again in Standard. You should not ever play it. You will not win a tournament with mono red in Standard, ever, for the rest of this format. I guarantee you, you will not win a tournament with it. Um, So don't do it. Uh, speaking as someone who has the deck built and who wants to play it, you won't you won't win a tournament. So don't don't waste your time. Play something else. Play Gruel. Play anything else. Rakdos. Don't play Mono Red. You'll just lose. It's not worth your time. The opinions expressed herein are not necessarily the opinions of Yo MTG Taps as a whole. <laughs> they are not opinions. They are objective facts. Okay. Joey. Okay. Okay. I'll let Unburdened you. Unburdened by opinion, no, but um. <laughs> Sorry, uh, moving on from that. But Fry, great card. Glad it's in the format. Right. Um, Another one is uh, Shifting Ceratops. Yes, it's pretty good. I mean, um, it costs more than Fry, but I do think that it's another card that's going to help keep 
Teferi uh, slightly in check, at least, like a little bit. Kind of. I mean, I it's, think got, so. Maybe. It's, a, it's a five power haste creature, right? Like, Well, it's five power haste if you pay five. Sure, 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 sure. But I mean, read yeah. it. Read it. Huh? Oh, yeah. Maybe I should read, read it. it. Okay. Let's see. Let me put it. Here it is. Okay. It's a uh, creature dinosaur rare from M20. Shifting Ceratops costs green, green, and two. So four mana. This spell can't be countered. Protection from blue. Uh, pay a green, and Shifting Ceratops gains your choice of reach, trample, or haste until end of turn. And it's a 5-4. So, yeah, for five mana, you play this. It can't be countered. You smash into their Teferi. Um or whatever else. It is protection from blue. It can't be bounced by Teferi. Uh, it can't be tucked by a big Teferi. And so I think, um, I feel like this is going to have, even if you can't give it haste, like they now have a window to deal with it, but it can't be with, with one of the Teferis. You know, they they have to have like another non-blue way of dealing with it. Um, Which and, they do. Well, what do you are you have something in mind or are you just saying just in I mean general, they, they have, always I mean, have it? I mean they have um <laughs> I mean whatever the you know doom blade whatever sure. it is oh, like cast down or something cast sure. down uh can hit it um you know uh Ixalan's binding there's sure. a number of oh, different ways to deal with it. I, I you know yeah. dies to doom blade is the oldest stupidest argument in the book but right. I'm just saying like there are a lot of different non-blue ways for the Teferi decks to deal with creatures. Um, that makes me feel like this is pretty good, but it's not really as good as people are giving it credit for um, to battle Teferi. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, like I don't. Yeah, mm. it's not. It's not like uh, the be-all end-all kind of answer to Teferi. It's just a very strong card against Teferi, and I think of a five-mana, or I'm sorry, four-mana uncounterable uh, creature that you can then, you know, okay, you don't give it haste, so you're not paying five for it. But the next turn, that they have a blocker, give it trample. You know, if you need a blocker, you give it reach. You know, it's kind of, it's a versatile creature. It's a useful oh, yeah. card, and I think it's, you know, it's a sideboard card, right? You're playing against Teferi, and that's what you bring in. Yeah, sure. Um, or yeah, main deck because everybody plays Teferi, so... <laughs> Right. Yeah. I don't hate it. I mean, I don't hate it, but like, um, I'm I'm more of like want to wait and see kind of thing yeah. with this in terms of like how how well it helps position the green decks against a fairy. Right. We'll see. I mean, it's great against uh, like Esper Hero or the Hero uh, the decks that play Hero of I keep wanting to say Hero of Dominaria. That's a different hero. <laughs> um, uh, now I think Hero of Bladehold. Why can't I think of the name of the Hero of Precinct six. Precinct one. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name. One. Yeah, hero of precinct one. Um, I'm like hero of bladehold. That was like mirrored and besieged. Why did that yeah. pop into my head? That's um, a good card. <laughs> the, like uh, all those one ones. You know, the, the ceratops has. Uh, you can give it trample. So that's another a way that those decks would protect the fairy. That's another way that they can't necessarily protect the fairy. Right. Even with a blocker. Right. So just uh, you know, what another little perk of the card um the card i'm most excited about and i'm like ready to stuff it into my modern deck is brought back so this was not spoiled until after we recorded and i'm going to bring it up in front of me so i can read it but uh it is an instant rare from m20 cost white white 
Choose up to two target permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped. So um, it feels like a card that is waiting to be broken. Um, but I'm even just thinking about it in terms of of like the fair way of using it. I'm you know not trying to combo off with it or anything. I'm just thinking about it in something like blue, white, and modern uh, as like a one of. The fact that you can use this early as a ramp spell, right? So like, okay, you, you pass, you, you have your second, uh, second turn, you've got two lands in play. One's a fetch land, whatever. Maybe they're both fetch lands. It might even be better. Uh, pass the turn to your opponent. At the end of their turn, they don't do anything that you need to really deal with. You crack both fetch lands, get two lands that produce white mana, play brought back, and you put your two fetch lands onto the battlefield tapped. You untap on your turn three, with four lands in play, at two of them being fetch lands, uh, play your fifth land and drop to fairy. You know, fetch, fetch whatever. Uh, play your fifth land and drop to fairy. Uh, Hero of Dominaria and untap two lands. You know, like okay, go. <laughs> like, that sounds awesome. It's like a nice. It's a great ramp spell in that case. Now you need two fetch lands. That's true. And uh, and you're probably searching up chocolate. So what's your life total after you've done all right, this? Exactly. Like I'm at nine. <laughs> not counting any damage you've done. No, but that's true. So there are downfalls. I'm not trying to give it... I'm I'm talking about Magical Christmas Land uh, in terms of this this particular effect. But just having something like this where you're like, okay, um, I'm going to cast Snapcaster and then block uh, and then cast Brought Back, get my Snapcaster back and get flash something else back. You know, get a, a second thing out of my Snapcaster. You get a second... Uh, use any planeswalker, right? You you have your in blue white. You have all your three mana planeswalkers. You have your Narsets, your little Teferis, and you have Jace. You have big Teferi. Any of those, it's like, oh, your opponent took them out. Um, you don't need to worry about having a counter spell, or you don't need to counter that particular spell, or have removal for whatever their creature is. You just play brought back, and your planeswalker comes back for free, um, tapped. <laughs> um, but which is funny that you can actually get a planeswalker and have it tapped, which just I just think it always is funny. looks weird, like when you with yeah. like the Sarkin and like the Gideon and yeah, stuff. When they're, I'm like, when they're why tapping. is it tapped? Yeah. Like, can I attack it? It's tapped. Yeah, How do I, I'm like, I can attack a creature directly. <laughs> I will attack your face up defense monster. Like, uh, that's not magic, but um, but it, it is magic because you can do it. Um, I want to point out real quick just uh, the Graph Digger's Cage, Mm -hmm. which is getting reprinted in M20, um, doesn't stop them from getting back their Planeswalkers if they use Command the Dreadhorde. Oh, it Um, just says... Creature cards in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield, right? Right. Players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries doesn't say anything about getting planeswalkers back so look at that you know just right. think about that um i was thinking oh grafter's cage it's going to be great um against command the Dread. nope not really because they're just getting back <laughs> soren and teferi you know um yeah do you know what card i actually kind of like what ba- bag of holding yeah read um, go and read it as a sideboard card against esper mid-range so it's it's one colorless. It's a rare artifact. Whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. So it's no matter who causes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you tap two and tap to draw a card, then discard a card. And then four and tap, sacrifice it, 
return all cards exiled with bag of holding to their owner's hand. So, uh, someone thought erasures you. You know, you play this you, you sideboard, obviously. Give me a guess. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is the like the most obvious replacement for um, uh, treasure map. Mm-hmm. For, like, sideboards, for, like, aggro decks or something, right? So, whenever you discard a card, you exile that card from your graveyard. So, um, they, they, they thought erasure you, you exile the card. They, uh, Basilica Bell haunt you, you exile the card, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, you can sit there and loot, 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 and while you're looting, you're exiling those cards that you're discarding. Right. And then, when you're out of cards, you just tap four, tap, and you get all those cards back that you've discarded through the entire game. Right. So, um... I think that's pretty neat. Um, now, I wonder, because I don't actually know. It says, sacrifice bag of holding. Return all cards exiled with bag of holding to their owner's hand. Mm-hmm. What if it's a different bag of holding? It's a different bag of holding, so it's a different... You put it in a different bag. That's the, <laughs> I guess that's the best way to look at it. Like, Is that how that works? Yeah, it's not the same... It's not any card named bag of holding. I think it's saying, like, with this card, anything okay. exiled... With by this card, not some other bag of holding. Sense. Yeah, that's how it's worked in in the past with cards like this because it's oh, okay. it's just referring to itself. That's all. So if you have two bag of of holdings, two bags of holding, uh, I think technically you need to keep the cards separated. So it's it's you know what I, I mean see. like you're not you don't make one exile pile. You have one. You you basically put them underneath it, and I think that's how a lot of players will got it would do it. Um, in paper, anyway, and then that particular bag, when you sacrifice it, you get what's back, what's what's been put in that particular bag. I, and thinking of it flavor-wise, kind of makes sense too. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, so I like that. Um, I like God's willing for feather decks because yeah. feather really needed a way to protect feather, right? And God's willing does that, and it's kind of stupid. It's kind of going to make those decks really good. Yeah. Um. I may or may not be building that deck myself. I mean, do um, it. We didn't mention the fact that um, we got our temples. We got enemy-colored right. temples. Because as the episode ended, we were talking about how in a few hours they will probably spoil the, the lands or re- reveal the lands, and they so did. So, of course, they did. Yes, of course. Um, so we've got temples, enemy-colored temples. Right. Which is funny because as soon as I saw the first temple was spoiled, I went and ordered a playset of Temple of Abandon. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, oh, enemy colors. Duh. So, well. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I've got them now, so maybe I need them one day. Probably never, but whatever. One of these I days I'll buy list them. Um, <laughs> I think they could be reprinted in, in, like, the next set or, you know, in an in upcoming set. I feel like there are – I mean, it's weird that they would just reprint the enemy color ones and just have those in standard there's going to be there's got to be some kind of reason for it right like what are we heading into with the next set and it's really that's going to give us a clearer picture as to why they printed the enemy temples and it might just be a fact of we're printing the the friendly or ally color temples in the next set or right in the spring and so we'll have all of them so i guess we'll see but uh but yeah, at this point, I was excited to play Temple of Enlightenment and then was disappointed when I saw it was not one of the cards that right. was actually being reprinted. Yeah. Because uh, that's um, the blue-white one. Of course. Thunderkin Awakener. Um, so I got to admit, I didn't want to play uh, 
my fringe division deck because I didn't want to play against this Hogak deck. I thought it was stupid and I didn't okay. want anything to do with it, so I didn't touch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will tell you this. The next deck I'm going to play for Fringe Division is a Thunderkin Awakener, um, all like all ball lightnings deck, basically. This sounds like fun. Yeah, so it's basically going to be skele- skele- lightning, skelemental, ball lightning, uh, a couple other. I can't remember all the other ones. Uh, I have a list somewhere. I think Ryan sent me. Um, but Thunderkin Awakener is a red and one. It's a one-two haste elemental shaman from M20. Whenever it attacks, choose target elemental creature card in your graveyard with toughness less than Thunderkin Awakener's toughness. Return that card to the battlefield tapped and attacking. Sacrifice the beginning of your next M step. So you use this, you attack, you get back a lightning elemental or, or ball lightning, you attack, you sacrifice the next turn, you attack, you bring back ball lightning, uh, and it's going to have unearth. Thank you very much. Um, so I like how you said be, next turn, as if your opponent's going to going to live not, through all this. Yeah, it's going to kill your or not going to just block your Thunderkin Awakener. But then you want, <laughs> but then I got, but, like I said, then you unearth. I'm going to have unearth in the deck too. So we're just going to keep going. <laughs> I love unearth. I'm so happy that, that that's in modern now. I'm so excited to to kind of see more of what people are doing yeah. with it. Uh, I've seen people throwing it in like um, Grixis Death Shadows, the shadow list, or not Grixis Death Shadow oh, necessarily, neat. Esper Death Shadow, uh, sure. whatever. Death Shadow builds are, are playing unearth a bit. So I, I love that. Um, I don't know. It's it's uh, That does sound like fun. I'm really, I, I want to kind of... Uh, Hear what? Hear how that goes. I would like to watch your games actually with it. Yeah, I'm going to do that at some point. I don't know like when because I'm a little busy this week. I'm going to see Los Campesinos in Austin on Friday night. Um, so a little busy. Oh, I'm excited about that show. Um, but awesome. uh, but yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, people are apparently playing this card in standard with the. Um, what's it called? The one one elemental that's green and blue. Oh, the reef. R- Risen, Risen Reef. Reef. Yeah. Risen Reef. Yeah, apparently people are really uh, getting into that. Um, yeah, well, people are calling it the new uh, Rogue Refiner, which is the the energy one, same casting cost. You get to draw a card and you got energy with it. This, you know, I've seen people say this is even better than Rogue Refiner, but I guess it really depends on the, the context, right? Like energy was a big deal. If energy didn't matter, Rogue Refiner would definitely be worse than <laughs> Risen Reef. But Risen Reef's uh, extra kind of abilities for other elementals like triggering off of other elementals are you know that's what matters and there are a lot of elementals in standard now so the the elemental deck even if it's not a uh, a thing even if it's not tier one right now i think it's approaching tier one and i think it could certainly be put over the top once we get another set or two if they include more elementals um just to read it so people know what we're talking about risen reef is an uncommon it costs a blue a white and a colorless um it's a creature elemental it's one one uh whenever risen reef or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control look at the top card of your library if it's a land card you may put it onto the battlefield tapped if you don't put the card onto the battlefield put it in your hand so it's either draw a card or ramp you which is very similar to like explore right like instead of you you don't get to you don't get to bin it you either if it's not a land you draw it and if it uh if it is a land you play it so it's it's not exactly explore but it's similar check for land or non-land and you get some bonus either way so no matter what happens with risen reef or another elemental every time you play it you get some sort of bonus so i think that's incredible 
Yeah. Um, certainly went under my radar when I first read it. I was just kind of like, oh, cool. Yeah. Neat. You know, little yeah, value one card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, apparently pretty good. And I'm sure like with Wilderness Elemental in the full format doesn't make it any worse. And uh, and I guess they're using Omnath. Um, which oh, yeah. Is Omnath sweet. is the other other one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, this is kind of related. I texted Jamie the other day. Uh-huh. And I said to him. Uh, this is just me literally reading the text exactly what I sent him. I was like, I, I, was, I said, Jamie, I need a favor. <laughs> I need you to draw a picture of Sebastian from The Little Mermaid, but dressed up as one of those old ladies from the Wendy's commercial. And he needs to be saying, or just the words printed on the shirt like a logo, where's the reef? And also <laughs> make him look high. Priority <laughs> urgent. <laughs> Did he send it to you? He said, ha ha, sorry, but I'll pass on this one. Oh, darn. <laughs> I just um, wanted to share that because I thought it was the stupidest thing I've thought of maybe ever. Um, but it's, but, I, but it made but me laugh it's, really it's hard. It's pretty funny, yeah. I think it actually would have been funny to see it. I, I wish he would have actually drawn it because he could. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's made some really, really funny, like, uh, bad, like, fan art sort of stuff, like, uh, Robocop pregnant with Fluttershy's or with Wario's baby. And it's like a baby Fluttershy from My Little Pony. I mean, I know who Robocop is. And other than that, oh, I know I know who Wario is, too. Uh, Ghostbusters of the Loom. <laughs> so it's like the Ghostbusters, but as the Fruit of the Loom fruits. <laughs> I like it. Like okay. he's, he's made some really dumb ones. And I was just like, dude, do this one. He was like, no. <laughs> Like that one's too dumb even for me, the guy who drew Ghostbusters of the Loom. But anyway, all right, I think we're about done, right? I yeah, mean, do we have anything uh, else? I mean, we, we probably should look, wrap up. Yeah, we need to wrap up. But uh, before we do, we're, we're obviously skipping the uh, the Fringe Division segment for now. Uh, we'll defer that to possibly next episode or the one we, after that, depending prob- on when you get to play. But. Probably next episode, but we'll see. Um, um, might just skip it. Uh, and then we have our interplanar beacon this week, which is uh, our shout out to another podcast that we we want you guys to to check out um, if you get a chance. Seventy five card pickup. This is a new podcast, relatively new. They've they've got a few episodes. Uh, it's Nick Prince and Baker, who I can't find or remember his last name, but uh, but they talk a lot about standard and modern. Um, they're competitive players. They know what they're talking about, and I really I think they're their um, their podcast is really valuable in terms of um, if if you're interested in brewing decks, I feel like they're really uh, really good at kind of talking about putting together new archetypes um, or changing existing archetypes. Uh, so so definitely check them out. Seventy five card pickup. We will link them in the show notes. No doubt. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's just about it. We can shout out all three of our amazing sponsors: Cool Stuff Inc. And card hoarder for uh, for Moto Singles and their loan program, which is awesome, and yeah. uh, and then our new sponsor, Deck Builder, which we will link again in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, and our and our and our absolute coolest sponsor is y'all. That's right. Uh, through our Patreon, um, you should get on our Patreon, patreon.com slash yomtg taps, and uh, check it out. Support the show if you like what you hear. Um, because it's awesome and it helps us it helps me get a new headset eventually which my, I'm still using a headset that's taped up with duct tape <laughs> <laughs> 
but you can hear, so it's fine. <laughs> yes. Thank God it's not a a, a, a YouTube podcast. Uh, that might even be more better. Or more more better. Maybe more better. More better. <laughs> it might be more uh, more visually entertaining to see you with a type taped up headset. So maybe we should just get on that instead of uh, instead of trying to replace it. We should just create a YouTube podcast. Uh, so anyway, yeah, let's wrap up. We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, until next time, we're Yo MTG Taps. Make them have it. <laughs> <laughs>